Man! The clinic discusses their leading candidates for MVP. Siakam is making it hard to move them. And Coach Kid might be a genius. I'm Rosa Panda. This is a clinic. All NBA podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Woo, feeling good. I'm feeling great. What about you two, my guys? She knows she loves Jake because... Man, I'm feeling good. John, how you living, my friend? Another day, another dollar. Let's get the talk some basketball, boys. Yeah, let's John. definitely talk about some NBA basketball. It is good to see you both, but we're missing our homie Sammy right now, who actually went to the game tonight. The Clippers versus OKC. We can't wait to talk to him when we get back. But boys, we have to talk about the game that the Golden that the Golden State Warriors had with the Chicago Bulls. And the Golden State Warriors ended up winning this game, but that wasn't the news, okay? I know the Warriors have been on a losing streak. I know it's a big deal for the Warriors to get a win. But in the second half, or rather at halftime, they ended up doing a ring of honor ceremony celebrating, you know, the time that Jerry Krause had there. So they celebrated Michael Jordan, Tony Kukoc, etc. But when they announced Jerry Krause Chicago had an audible, just really loud boo. Boo for Jerry Krause. They ended up showing Thelma, who's the widow left behind, right? And Thelma was just really upset. And his wife was just moved to tears, and it was on the big screen. RJ has a clip right now. Completely awful and jerry krause who oversaw chicago's legendary run of six championships between 1991 and 98 died in 2017 and it was just a night that we were supposed to recognize that time boys i want to know what you guys thought about seeing this on live television what do you guys think jordan never did that move Man, like, I, I know we try to keep this show lighthearted and talk about things in a, in a way that's just ban- like banter. But for me, this is kind of a really, this, this, this topic is kind of hard to talk about for me because not only, it's not as if Jerry Cross was still alive, right? And he was, you know what I mean? That's one thing to boost somebody who's alive. But he actually passed away in 2017. And to me, that's like the low of the lows. And let's let's remember that Jerry Krause, if it wasn't for him as the GM, there's a good chance that there wouldn't be six championships. He is the reason, a big part of the reason why they built that team. I understand that he wanted to tear it down after the sixth ring. He didn't want to run it back. And I'm sure that the Chicago Bulls fans are upset about that. But come on, guys. To boo somebody that is dead and is also somebody... It's like... And, f- and for one thing, it's just basketball. You know what I mean? Like this is, we're talking about someone's, the widow of someone, like the, the wife lost her husband. And just to, I mean, put yourself in her shoes, right? Like that to me is just, I feel so bad for her guys. I, I don't like, and and I want to be clear here as well, because I don't think that's all, that, that speaks for all Chicago Bulls fans. I, w- I want to say that's probably the minority. And I don't know. I actually didn't listen to the tape. Maybe it sounded like there was more, a lot more people booing. But I feel like there's always those bad apples for any fan base. I mean, other than the Warriors, because June and JJ think that they're perfect. 
<laughs> but no, in seriousness, I mean, you're always gonna have bad fans like that, right? So, to me, I think it was it was awful. Like, like, bro, like you were saying earlier, this is a moment that you're supposed to honor and remember the time, and like, this is the only Chicago Bulls rings that they have, right? Like. God, they're always looking at like the glass is half empty instead of actually being thankful and grateful for what was given to you. So to me, this is just a big fat L all across the board. Hopefully it doesn't get too much more coverage or traction, but I just, you know, it was a shame to watch from my perspective. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Yeah, super shameful when you boo a widow when probably when they pitched it to her you know, in her poor old wheelchair, hyping her up, saying, you're going to be greeted during halftime. We're going to commemorate your late husband. And then you're just going to get a round of applause from the whole stadium, from 20,000 people. Oh, man. Damn, and dude. then you just get booze. Like, I could even play the soundboard of Tobias crying, guys, because I got to respect um, Thelma Kraus. And I know we like to play the blame game. I know sometimes it's not necessary, but gentlemen, John and June, The Last Dance, Michael Jordan. Does Michael Jordan get blamed for this? Does the GOAT get blamed? Because I know that we hold Michael Jordan in high regard. We all know that he's an a-hole. We know that he's a jerk. We see that his previous teammates have said things about him. So I want to pose it to you guys. Is it the GOAT, Michael Jordan's fault, that Thelma Cross got booed at her quote-unquote home court floor? I don't know if it was necessarily Michael (laughs) Jordan's fault. Scotty Pippen's fault, for sure. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Man, I I think that 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 documentary didn't help. It definitely didn't help. Because definitely not. I think history had sort of already forgotten that part of Michael Jordan's era where Jerry Krause wanted to break down that whole thing. I think a lot of people just sort of forgot Jerry Krause's doing in that. And the last dance brought it back to life, right? In yes. recent memory. So I mean that was only what, like three years ago that the last dance was aired? So it, it's just bad timing. I think it's it's bad timing. And to all the Chicago Bulls fans that booed that night, and it probably is a minority that did, but the fact that it was like audible enough for Thelma to hear it was sad, dude. It's definitely sad. It kind of reminded me of like when Joe Lacob got booed and Chris Mullen had to like stand up for Joe Lacob during his own yeah. ceremony because it was After Chris Mullen's ceremony. Trade. Except... It would be like if Joe Lacob was dead, you know, after he traded away Monte Ellis and then got booed. It would have been, it's like so much worse. So much worse. It's so much, it's so much worse because like the, the, the person can't defend themselves. Yeah. They can't speak yeah. up. They can't, they can't talk about it. They can't defend themselves. And so to me, it's just such, it's like the lowest of lows of things to do. And honestly, to talk about the last dance just real quickly is that there's a lot of speculation that even though Jerry Krause gets a lot of the blame, I think from an optic standpoint, but there was a lot of people saying that it was Jerry Reinsdorf the owner 
who was really pulling the strings. And Jerry Krause was kind of the scapegoat, mm. right? And so, I mean, I honestly, to JJ's, to JJ's point, like, I don't want to say I would put the blame on Michael Jordan per se, but I think there are a lot more than just Jerry Krause as the general manager that you can blame for the Bulls not running it back after winning a sixth championship, right? To break up a team like that, a dynasty like that. But guys, six rings. Like, how many teams, NBA teams, are going to say that they've won six rings? You can count them on your hands, right? Like, that doesn't happen often. And to win back three, to win uh, three in a row twice? Come on, man. In one era. Yeah. The Michael Jordan era. They won six. Like, that's wild. Like, why not just clap? It's been so long ago, dude. <laughs> yeah, so just, long ago. It's, it's such a, a bad petty. look if you have Steve Bartman mentioned with Delma Krause. And for those that don't know who Steve Bartman is, RJ, you probably know because you're the baseball guru up in this. He's a guy that got death, threat, death threats after catching the fly ball in the World Series. Yeah. So. Jay, do you blame this documentary or Michael Jordan? So, like I said, Michael Jordan's my goat. I think Michael Jordan could share his thoughts about um, how Cross did the whole situation. But I'm with John. Let people rest in peace. You're the goat. You- You're the greatest of all time, man. Speaking of Michael Jordan, by the way, too, do you, what are your thoughts on him actually not attending this Ring of Honor? I know Phil Jackson was there. <laughs> Jordan didn't show up. I don't think Pippen showed up either, right? Yeah, Pippen didn't yeah. show up. No. I, I don't like that. John, I think... John blames uh, Michael Jordan for Scottie Pippen not showing up. <laughs> I know, I know I, that for a fact. Yeah, for sure, 100%. <laughs> I mean, he Absolutely. could do whatever, I guess. It would have been cool yeah. if he went, but... He should have gone. He should have gone. He, it's 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 funny yeah. like he's such on a okay i agree with you michael jordan is my greatest of all time and that's not going to change like basketball perspective but you can there are things that you can look at him and think about like the things that he did off the court and his personality and the way he approached things same thing about kobe right but i don't like man i i agree with you guys i think he should have showed up and he can do no wrong he's put on such a pedestal in chicago he literally mm-hmm. can get away with murder that is literally like Michael Jordan, what the city of Chicago means, what Michael Jordan means to the city of Chicago. So, yeah, I mean, they, they could have at least waited for, for the Bulls to play, uh, shoot, who does, who does he own again? Utah? No, Michael Jordan. Oh, who does he own? The, um, um he used to own the, the, the Hornets, right? Yeah. I was going to say the yeah. Bobcats. <laughs> the Bobcats. Yeah, well, they were the Bobcats. They could have at least yeah. waited, right? He doesn't own the Hornets anymore, game. though. And then he'd he doesn't own the, Yeah. I no, mean, he doesn't own the Hornets anymore. Like, he sold his stake. Oh, he does? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. he sold his stake, remember? Yeah. Was that All good. before or after he slapped someone upside the head? <laughs> anyway. uh, was that Kelly Oubre, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to move us on, boys. I want to talk about what we think of the MVP ladder so far. So there, there's rankings that are out right now where Joel Embiid is number one, and then it goes like this in succession. Nikola Jokic, SGA, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, and Jason Tatum. So far this season, who is your guys' MVP? 
Okay. I'm just going to say, we've, we've said this before, but there's been a pattern of MVP picks being uh, nominated because of narration. So they usually also try to avoid crowning the MVP consecutively unless they made a huge stamp in that league uh, within that year. So because of that, even though I think Joel Embiid does deserve it because he did lose a star in Harden, who has been balling John's MVP. I don't think they'll give it to him, right? Jokic has already won it twice. And he won the championship last year. So to spice things up, and this is my MVP pick, fellas, it's going to be SGA. SGA Ooh, has been okay. balling. Ah, I think I like that pick. They're an under, yeah, dark horse pick to win it all. Mm-hmm. They just lost tonight to the Clippers, but the Clippers have always been in talks in terms of winning that chip, especially with that talent with Kawhi, Paul George, and now Harden playing mm-hmm. how Harden's been playing. But I want to give props to SGA because, dude, that guy, how he plays, reminds me how old school guards play which is going to the line he has a mid-range game and he's just really talented yeah sga is putting out some crazy stats guys so 31 a game shooting 55 from the floor for a guard 33 from three which is average 5.8 rebounds 6.3 assists and 2.3 steals a game and just under a block so those numbers are wild, man. And I agree with you. If the Thunder, the Thunder are the number two seed right now um, behind Minnesota. What's interesting to me about this list is that the one guy that is not on here, but his team is in first seed in the West. He's averaging 26, 46 from the 26 points, 46 percent from the field, 38 from three, five, re, 5.4 rebounds, 4.9 assists, 1.3 steals. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Ant? Ant-Man. Like, how is he not on this list? If mm-hmm. the, the Timberwolves, and maybe this is because they don't think the Timberwolves are going to sustain that number one seed. This is, that was my first thought, right? But for him not to be on this list is kind of crazy to me. I don't do, know. Do you guys agree? Or do you do you think that... Do, let me piggyback off that, John. What's the adverse uh, correlation to what you just said is, are you, are you guys even further surprised that... Rudy Gobert is the favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year again. <laughs> Given that the fact this dude does not guard positions one through four. Oh man. So wait, yeah. I do like, I want to go attack, uh, cover your first. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Um, claim, John, which is that Ant is not on this list. And dude, you are absolutely right. It should always go. The the nomination or the favoritism should always go towards the best player on the best team, and for whatever reason, Ant is not on this list. When in fact, Ant balled over the summer during um, the uh, Olympic slash FIBA play. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why do you, why do you think that is then? Like I'm really curious because I know this is the key. Uh, this is this is a. A consensus right like made by pundits or experts or whoever it may be but he's not even in this list at all i'm not saying that he's a shoo-in to win or he's the favorite but for me that for him not to be on this list is very surprising to me 
Yeah, it's Jordan, it's surprising what do you think? to me too, but I think it's because I, I honestly think it's because the Timberwolves don't get any respect. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's like, fair. I, I just hate to say it, but they're just not like a super sexy team to talk about. And the thing is, is that like we are, we are all wrong. We're all wrong about the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? No one came in here going into the season saying that the Timberwolves were going to be number one in the Western Conference and do things in a sort of dominant fash- fashion on the defensive side. And I think, I think the MVP favors highly offensive players, right? And I don't know if Ant Edwards has that same sort of splash as a Joel Embiid, who's averaging almost 35 points a game and 11 rebounds, or a Nikola Jokic, who's averaging like almost 32 points a game. And then Shea, I mean, Shea, what, what is he averaging right now? What did you just say? Like 31 points? 31 a game. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I guess it's tough. I know Ant Edwards is is doing it, like maybe four four or five points less, but it's just not. He doesn't have that narrative yet, and I don't yeah. know if he needs like sort of like a a signature game in order for them to get to the top. I think that's what it's gonna take, right, for him to even enter this list, and that's sad because like I I would like to see him part of this this ballot. Now looking yeah. at this list, we have one through six. Who would you like bump off of this? Like, where to would you place? Where Ant-Man? would you place him? Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. a great question, man. I mean, cause like we have Embiid, Jokic, and Shea. I don't. I can't. Put, I would just. I can't put Ant over them. I mean, there's a, this is for some you reason know? this is there's six people on this list, which is a weird odd like a weird number to put in there. So for me, I would just add a seventh and put him in on here. <laughs> like I don't I don't think I would take away anybody because yeah. I think they are all deservingly, mm. you know, worthy of the award at this point. I mean, there's no argument to be made against it. I don't think so. I would just add him on here. I just find it weird that typically the best team, the best player on the best team, still gets. And you're right, bro. Like they're not getting the 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 visibility or the attention because they are the Minnesota Timberwolves um, and again I, I suspect that they maybe don't and the, like these this is also a projection that they don't anticipate the Timberwolves to actually be still be at the top of the Western Conference right there, there's like I think people still think that they're going to fall off and I don't know if that's going to happen we're already almost halfway into the season call me crazy too like I know we're talking down on the Minnesota Timberwolves and they don't get love but I think a huge factor, especially in today's world of social media, it's uh, guilty by association. And when you have Rudy Gobert, where straight up no one respects this dude in the league, mm. and you have players like Westbrook, and the Clippers bench laugh at him for airballing, that's not a good look for any NBA right. fan. And then you have memes and other NBA stars talking about how Cat Carl Anthony Towns has five different octaves in how he speaks. <laughs> I forgot about that. You know, you know what I mean? Like, he sounds like Michael Jackson. Like, and then he lowers his, vo- his, lowers voice, his to, like, voice to, like, another one. Yeah, 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 I've seen that. Then he tries to sound like Old Dirty Bastard from Wu-Tang. Mm. It's like, you know, he's, like, faking the funk kind of thing. It's like, oh, these dudes are not about it. The Timberwolves are yeah. whack. So it's like an afterthought. Not that this pod thinks that, but I think the general public does have that perception, which is 
yeah. these dudes are whack. And then you have like non-exciting players like what both of you said, like Kyle Anderson. Right. Like, yes, Slow-mo. Weird... Yeah, exactly. Which Slow-mo, isn't like right? <laughs> a, a great publicized name. Yeah. And Jay, it's it's interesting that you that you bring this up because like I think I I never really thought about the likability of the team involved like being involved in the MVP ballot but you're right like they have to be likable yeah. and Ant Edwards to me if you just took him he's likable I think it's just the cast around him like you said guilty by association yep um if I had to he, pick a, if I had to pick someone from this list just yeah. I didn't want to derail it with the Ant-Man conversation but if I had to pick someone from this list I hate to say this oh no but I would it would be Jason Tatum Oh. And I'm okay saying that. I'm okay saying that because he is a Kobe. Kobe is his favorite player of all time. But I think the Celtics are the number one seed in the East. I don't think that's going to change unless something happens. I think they're going to end up with the one seed. Um, and Tatum is their best player. But I, I think like looking at the Celtics, he's their not only is their best player, but he gets the most like attention in the optics and the 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 t- like the news reports on him the most even though Jalen Brown has been playing really well Derek White has been balling for them I think he's like a huge X factor for that team and then you add Drew Holiday right who's I was wrong about Drew Holiday comparing him to Marcus Smart he's actually a huge difference maker because he's much better offensively than Marcus Smart ever was and probably the same defensively so or you can make a case one is slightly better than the other, right? You could say if you, if you think Marcus Smart's right. better defender, that's totally fine. But they're comparable. So to me, it's going to be Tatum if, if the Celtics can remain in the East, top of the East. John, I, I and was he's actually never won it. there too. Yeah. And he's never won it. That's so. where I was going with this too. So what yeah. I see on this list is Joel Embiid's won it. Jokic has won it. Giannis Antetokounmpo has won it. Uh, Luke has Luca won it? it yeah. Luca has not won it, no. So, he, so he's also up there too. But the Dallas, is, I don't think Dallas is good enough. So I, that's the that's the problem with Luca is that I don't think he's gonna finish in like the top four Two. or three, three. like yeah. he needs to, you know, right. without having ridiculous stats. But Jason Tatum will, and with SGA, he was robbed of most improved player last year, and I think if he doesn't win the MVP, that's that's the award that they'll give to him, his most point. improved, which which is completely ridiculous because he was already good last year it's just that he made like a a bigger jump this year yeah but i think i think it'll be jason tatum's award but i i gotta move us on boys to our next topic here we have to talk about coach kid and what he did to the new orleans pelicans up by two points with 19 seconds remaining jason kid chose to intentionally foul zion and send him to the free throw line it was a risky move you know being up by two but he ended up being right because zion only made one of two zion was killing the mavs up to this point in the game having scored 29 points 12 of 17 shooting and he was only five of nine from the free throw line and missed the first free throw after being intentionally fouled like i said boys i want to know did you guys like this move by coach kid in the moment okay we're not talking about the results here in the moment did you guys like this move by jason kid no no i did not like it either no absolutely not i i think this is uh 
like to me this sends a signal to your team that you don't trust them defensively yes and you're really i mean zion missed the free throw but to your point right we're talking about is this a good move at the time not the results obviously hindsight is 2020 but like you're giving the team of two shot free shots with no nobody playing defense on them to tie the game instead of trusting your defense playing playing the right way and guarding the three making them tie the like obviously they won the game but like if he made both free throws jason k would have gotten grilled and forgive me but the only every time i think of jason Kidd as a coach and i know he's been doing he's been doing well with the mavericks um like i just do you when he got bumped when no, yeah. do you remember the water? time yeah, with the water? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Every time he was with the Bucks, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was the Bucks, yeah. It was the Bucks. <laughs> and they caught him on camera, like mouthing, like, hit me, hit me. And I'm just like, damn, dude. But no, I don't like it at all. JJ, what do you think? No, like, you hit the nail on the head, which is you don't trust your defense. And Jason Kidd, you're supposed to be the defensive specialist. In a regular season, okay, you might get criticized, but you won. So people are going to, you know, forget about it. But in the playoffs, you better not do this because we've seen time no. and time again where people do the hack-a-shack, point being Shaq, and that's my next example. And John, you could probably speak on this, but playoff series for all you youngins out there, there was a series where a team wanted to do the hack-a-shack and Shaq, you know, you're not going to think of him when you do think about his lore uh, about the greatest free throw, shore, free throw shooter. But when he needed it, it, it yeah. he made it count. He made them. He made them. Same with Ronman. There was an infamous game where they fouled, uh, a team fouled the Bulls with MJ's dynasty run. Point taken from what we talked about earlier. Ronman made them. The difference between Rodman and Shaq is that Zion is known to be a scorer. So, and, and, he, and here's the thing about this play too, right? That, that I don't know if like people thought about, but if he makes the first free throw and then he misses the second one, but the the Pelicans got the rebound and scored again, they win the game, right? Yeah. Like if the Pelicans score on a two pointer, just you're playing defense. Obviously, they can hit a three, but if you're playing guarding the three and they score two they're not going to be able to get the ball a rebound you, you have possession the next possession so if he makes the first free throw and then misses the second one but the pelicans get the rebound you could potentially lose the game on this one play so yeah. to me no it's a terrible terrible decision i don't regardless of whether they won or not whether to it worked out for them add one more detail or one thing that i did like john and jun is that uh <laughs> if i'm a pelican fan i'm kind of worried about zion now now <laughs> Because whenever there's going to be a, a clutch free throw and Zion's on the line, he's going to have to think about this moment. So this just added to the storyline for the upcoming postseason. Can Zion close out a game? Oh, man. He's, he shoots 66% from the field. So, and I mean, yeah. But I wouldn't do it. I mean, it worked out. So yeah. results I mean, matter. I... I didn't like it in the moment either. But if we're thinking about superstars on every single team, Zion might be in the top five list of someone that I would try it with. Okay. 
And the reason why I say this is because I guess you could talk yourself into it. Like, our, this man shoots like 60% from the free throw line. He, it's the end of the game. Obviously, he doesn't keep himself in game shape. He probably doesn't work on his game a lot. Maybe, maybe I'll try this. But the thing that I don't like is that I feel like Jason Kidd, just like that water thing, is doing too much. Like, he wants to be on the court so bad, you know, and affect the game so bad that he had to make this decision. You know what I mean? Just trust your team. I think I think that's that's what, John, you were alluding to and what we all don't like about this. Um, I'm going to move us on here. We're going to take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. Are you, are you tired of constantly losing your bets on unfair gambling apps? Our sponsor, Parlay Play, has the best lines to increase your chances of winning it big. Not only does it have great lines, but it's also an awesome app with a community feel. Use code CLINIC all NBA for a deposit matchup to $100 and a free $5 game on the house. They also have a feature called Slide the Line, where users can raise or lower a line of their choosing. Pause the pod, get on your phone, and download the app now. Pause the pod, get on the phone, and download the app. Indeed, we have to talk about Pascal Siakam since the trade deadline is coming. And apparently, this is what has been reported. Pascal Siakam has told teams he will not give a commitment to re-sign with any team that is not the Toronto Raptors. He will not give a verbal commitment whatsoever. With the Pacers, the Hawks, the Kings, the Warriors, or any other team that trades for him, he wants to test out free agency. Guys, do you guys think that this is a good move by Pascal Siakam? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> That's a yeah. <laughs> I mean, indeed. It's, Go ahead. it's tough to say just because we've seen players who get traded and then they they end up signing a contract and then they're stuck in a situation where they don't like and then they, they force themselves out again without uh, testing out free agency and I'm always an advocate of any player testing out free agency because um, perfect example is when Carmelo Anthony forced his way out of Denver to the Knicks and the Knicks had to give up all those trade assets when they could have just signed Melo during that summer, but Melo was too impatient. Um, the thing with Siakam is that there are a lot of what ifs and there's a risk. And, you know, you hope, you pray, and you send good vibes that from now on until the end of the NBA season, that nothing bad happens to him because of, you know, may God forbid something does bad happen, there goes his value. And what's we've also seen the examples of players not cashing out when they should. And you know, I, I want to make like that Dennis perfect. Schroeder, like Dennis Schroeder, exactly. And if, if we're gonna talk about um, the other side, why would any organization want to trade for Siakam now? Because he's not committing. And we've seen this with the Raptors, uh, and unfortunately, it was with Kawhi. They traded all those assets to get Kawhi, and even though they won a championship, they offered all those perks of Toronto. They treated him like a king, 
offered him i th- i think there was like even like this one uh condominium a penthouse they offered that him for free the mayor offered him the keys to the city and he just wanted to leave which was his choice because he tested out free agency but you know it just shows that you just can't get a player trade all those assets and hope that they're going to resign during the offseason the risk is too high I don't blame any organization trading for Siakam unless you're on the very, very verge of trading a contract. Uh, Warriors, I'm winking at you. You got Chris Paul. <laughs> you got um, I'm young pieces. Some, you got some young pieces that looks like Steve Kerr won't play them unless the summer, which it's rumored to happen. You know, Steve Kerr doesn't have a contract. Just saying. Anyways, John, what do you think? Yeah, it's always a risk. I mean, like, I think he's deserved the right to test free agency, but, you know, hopefully nothing bad happens, no injuries, nothing like major happens. But I think it's more more about more than the money. I think he wants the ability to choose kind of where he plays next, right? Um, like where he wants to live, the city that he's residing in, the the, the fans, the people the food, the culture, whatever it may be. But I think he wants to choose that, that, that team, that city. I agree. I don't, it's very risky to, to do that. And it's funny that we're talking about this with the Raptors because they did that with Kawhi Leonard, right? Mm-hmm. They took a risk, they traded for him and then they ended up, of course they won a championship. So you ask any Toronto Raptor fan, they'll probably say it was worth it, but he ended up bolting for the Clippers, LA. Because he's right. close to San Diego, which is his hometown. And so there's always that risk. Um, so to me, if I'm the Pacers or any of these teams, unless I legitimately think there's a chance that I'm going to win a championship this year with Pascal Siakam, I really am hesitant to make that, to pull that trigger. Yeah, I, I agree with you both. I think this puts a... A bump in the road for a lot of teams trying to get Pascal Siakam, but apparently the Pacers are still engaging in talks with the Toronto Raptors to still acquire him. And the report says that the deal would somewhat go like this: it would go probably Bruce Brown and three first-round picks would be part of the package. Mm. So that's not the complete package, but that's part of the package. What do you guys think of Siakam with the Pacers? Is that is that kind of worth it to you guys? On the Pacers, those three-round picks, I say no. And I say this with, you know, some some caution, just because I'm going to come off as a hater, but like four months, five months into a season to determine your future, you got to be somewhat like uh, reserved and not just pull the trigger on a temporary fix like Siakam could leave over the summer John and you're trading three picks there's a there's a possibility I know Pacer fans don't want to hear this but there's a possibility next year the next the year after that or or the next year even after that where those first round picks if they're not protected could be pretty high yeah last, last year was just last year and you guys were a, a lottery team so that's just That's too much. Too, like, like Bruce Brown is—he's to me—he's, you know, he's a 
solid good role player but you could find a lot of those bruce brown types in the league um or even grown homegrown right but uh, jj's right the three first round picks are a lot i mean they could be high they could be lower it really depends on obviously how the season plays out for the team but to give up that much without with the uncertainty that pascal siakam might bolt after this year and lose him for nothing to me is too high of a risk yeah i agree i agree with you guys and plus like the move alone wouldn't put you above the celtics above the bucks above the 76ers true i think you're you're right after those teams you're kind of like in the cleveland Cavs kind of area after the top three and that's like losing your future too and also having an un um unsecure future with siakam with the way that he's talking about this uh i'm gonna i'm gonna move us on here to our next topic and talk about trey young a little bit demarcus cousins had some words for him um who had a rocky relationship towards the end of his career in sacramento or end of his time in sacramento and he gave some advice to trey young he said if i'm trey young i'd get ahead of the curve the situation i'm afraid of with trey is that he'll remain in atlanta too long and then all of a sudden he becomes the villain and he isn't and he's the scapegoat i know from experience does boogie have some truth to what he's saying here do you think this is good advice for trey young hmm I wow so I guess my question is like DeMarcus Cousins what was he he was talking about he said he relates to this that he can relate to what Trey Young is like what team is he talking about the Kings yeah oh in Sacramento okay yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah they were sort of they were blaming him for the Sacramento Kings poor performances basically right right and wanted him I mean like to me, this is kind of just applies to any focal point star emphasis of, of any team, right? The number one of any team. Like, you're going to get the praise when you win and you're going to get the blame when you lose, whether or not you're actually the person who should be blamed. To me, that just comes with the territory with being the best player on the team, right? So, like, if Trey Young were to go to a different team outside of Atlanta, he's and they don't do well, he's going to get the blame still. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, I, I mean, the, the I, I mean, I don't know. I just, to me, it's not, it's like, it's just, if it's going to apply everywhere. So I don't know. Like, the advice to me is just whatever. It's just like throw away. I don't know. Am I, what am, are you, am I off base here? Or? What do you think, Jay? I, I think, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, I think DeMarcus cousin Cousins is, speaking some gospel it's not entirely true but there is some truth to it just because um trey young has been in the league since 2018 he has seen more lows than highs as atlanta hawk and the help that he has been asking to get it hasn't been working whether you believe that help was good or not for example dejounte murray who is also on the trade uh, block I'm always an advocate of loyalty but the loyalty has to be reciprocated by the organization and right now I feel that there's some animosity between 
Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. So, as a basketball fan, I'm gonna come off as a hater, but yeah, leave Trey Young, demand a trade, cause havoc, <laughs> create some pod content for myself, John, Jin, and Sammy, and RJ, and hopefully, you don't come out west and compete against our teams. But if you do compete out west, there is the rumor. Of course, it's a dream rumor that this summer, if the San Antonio Spurs gets Trey Young and Siakam because they do have the cap space with Wemby and Pop, that would be a dangerous team. I've heard of that too. And you know, if I'm Trey Young and I have that choice, I'm I'm going to San Antonio to play with Wembenyama. And you、oh. know, I I think that Trey Trey Young's a good player. He like he really is when when he wants to be. And I think that's the big the big、um, knock on him is that maybe his effort isn't 100 all the time. I mean, it's had quotes right, like saying. Oh yeah, the regular season games don't matter. Like, come find me during the playoffs. Like quotes like that, kind of make you the villain already. So I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think it's that he's staying too long. I think it's just the attitude and the effort surrounding that team with Trey Young. Cause like Dejounte Murray, his attitude, we've we've seen that <laughs> kind of go awry、like、during. Yeah, he didn't act like that with Pop, dude. So I mean, there's there's different reasons why he may be viewed as a villain, outside of the fact that they're not winning, and I think maybe a change in location would be good for Trey Young. So it's not really like good advice to me per se from Boogie, but I would like to see Trey Young move on.、Um, <laughs> with that being said, that's actually all we have for tonight's pod. I want to、oh、thank you、God. two for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thanks everybody. I appreciate you all. John, thanks for being on. Hey, thank you everybody. Have a good one. I'm Detective John. And special shout out to Sammy who's missing right now. Sammy takes it all the way. And shout out to our video producer RJ. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rose Zapanta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.